0: whole house. welcome back to pod clubhouse this is the love it or leave it series we are talking today about the bob ross documentary that is on netflix currently called bob ross happy accidents betrayal and greed today with us we have from the book of lies podcast we have brandy and sunny hey brandy hello hey sunny hey 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 and we also have inez how are you Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. This is kind of a reunion for me. I've done podcasts with Brandy and Sunny. I've done, um, we did a couple of like, we did the Netflix. Um, Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. That's <laughs> right. We see what's happened in a year. <laughs> I forget things. So we did Unsolved Mysteries and we did I Care A Lot. I, I guested on your podcast uh, earlier this year. And Inez, I haven't talked to you now since what? The Stand, right?
1: Yes, the stands. And, uh, you know, since then, I've actually started a, a, my own like, podcast channel with my sister. So I am now officially representing Stop By and Aspie Anything. So that I'm excited fantastic. to join like the big girl club.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. So we're here today to talk all things Bob Ross. So we're going to talk about this documentary. So for those of you that are listening that are not familiar with our Love It or Leave It format, what we're going to do is we're going to give you two halves. We're going to do the first half is going to be the setup of the documentary, what it's about, who created it, who's bringing it to you, why they're bringing it to you, and you know some basic plot points without spoilers and then we're going to give you our love or leave it assessment and then we're going to dive right into the documentary and give you sort of like the uh the highs the lows the in-betweens the things that we liked didn't like and give you our overall assessment at the end so we're glad that you're here to join us i'm really happy to have with us today the book of lies ladies sunny and brandy and ines so we're gonna get started how's everyone today Fantastic. Fantastic. Are we all happy having little, happy little trees happening in our world? No mistakes, only happy no. accidents, right? So can I ask you guys, what is your connection to Bob Ross? Do you have a connection to Bob Ross?
2: I remember Bob Ross from the 90s, um, but I never actually watched him, watched his show. I never watched him paint. But I, um, what I actually remember most is that like, people... Either like doing spoofs of Bob Ross or, you know, impersonations of Bob Ross and saying things like happy little trees.
1: I did um, spend a good chunk of my childhood watching um, his show. My grandmother always had him playing in her in her house. So um, that's how I got to be familiar with it. Uh, So I do feel like an emotional connection to Bob and then just kind of seeing him turning into this like wholesome icon here in the modern day is really exciting. Awesome. I, I'm i kind of going to say
3: the same thing as Brandy. Maybe he was on PBS and I was like, hey, that guy's painting something. Oh, nice. And then I would turn the channel. I think like later on, he became more of an icon and I became a little more familiar with him, you know, post Bob. But when I saw the documentary, I was like, okay what's going on and now i'm i have feelings <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: when i was a little kid i mean i'm i think i'm a little bit older than you guys but um like if i was homesick from school bob ross was definitely what i was diving for because he was only on like you know in school like back in the 80s when we didn't have streaming or on demand or anything like that you either had to be home to watch tv and that was it or you missed it. Yeah. So when I was yeah. homesick from school, which I mean wasn't a ton, but I would definitely tune into Bob Ross because like whatever was not going on well with me, Bob Ross his his soothing tones, his balmy voice would would definitely make me feel a lot better. So I've been connected with him. I say I probably discovered Bob Ross probably around 1988, 89. So he's definitely been part of my uh my gestalt growing up. Recently my husband and I we upgraded our TV and we now have like Samsung TV, so it, like the Default when we turn on our tv and we found the joy of painting channel so much like the pluto tv arc it has just channels of just you know golden girls and, and different things like that so we found the bob ross channel the joy of painting channel so now it's just on whenever we oh, turn wow. on our tv <laughs>
1: So, when I, so exciting <laughs> wait i'm I, gonna find that yeah i have a samsung
0: tv <laughs> it's in the eleven te- uh, Inez, i'll text you the um channel number it's like in the 1100s i think i'm not sure but um yeah so that's that's like you know the connection to bob ross so for brandy and sunny then what drew you to the documentary if you didn't really have like necessarily this sort of like firsthand connection to bob ross
3: Well, I saw it on Netflix and I was like, eh, I'm not going to watch this because what are they going to do to Bob Ross? But then, but then I was, it just was looking at me on Netflix and I saw Betrayal and Greed. And I was like, okay, honey, get into it. (laughs) And I could not stop watching. And here we are.
2: Yeah. I, um, I didn't even know it was on Netflix and Sonny was like, have you seen this Bob Ross documentary? And I was like, No. She was like, you need to watch this. And so I was like, okay, fine. Then I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> okay fine
3: (laughs) so when
0: i was watching the documentary i was absolutely 100 percent thinking of the two ladies from book of lies sunny and brandy because i was like they need to watch this they need to be here for the shade because it was some dirty dirty dealings i had no idea about this man other than he was in the army well i knew he was in the military i thought he was in the army turns out it was the air force and that is about the extent of it but beyond that he was stationed in alaska so for someone that I had known, you know, of since like 1988, to learn about him was pretty shocking. And I was definitely like, the Book of Lies ladies need to be all over this because this is totally up in your wheelhouse.
3: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you guys know who the creatives are behind this. So obviously it's on Netflix. So there's definitely some money that gets thrown into these productions. But the executive producers behind this are Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. Did you guys know that?
2: No. I had no idea.
0: I did not know that when I went into this. And and after learning that, I did some, some research as to why they became interested in them. So that's also directed by somebody named Joshua Rofe, Rofe? I'm, I'm not gonna, sure if I'm saying his name right. I'm sorry. R-O-F-E with a little apostrophe on the end. Do you Rofe? Want to have, Rofe. Okay. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to, you know, we're going to take that one and run with it. That's his name. And so he directed it. And he also directed Lorena, that series back in 2019. I think I saw that on Amazon. It was like a four part series on Lorena Bobbitt. I don't know if you guys know that.
3: Um, I did not know that. I haven't watched a documentary on Lorena Bob, but I'm interested because we all know what she did. Yeah. Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the director who directed this Bob Ross documentary, he also directed that Lorena documentary, which was really well done. I really enjoyed it. It was a four part series. And then also just to round out the, the production team is um, Steven Berger and M. Elizabeth Hughes and they also worked on that Lorena p- project with Joshua Rofe. If we're saying that wrong, I apologize, but like we're we're doing it. <laughs> we're go we're going that way. I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about what I found out when I learned that Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Ben Falcone, were part of this. Because I, I saw her name in the credits. I saw her name as the producer. And like her name is the one that jumped out at me because, obviously, she's a bigger name when it comes to you know somebody on the executive producing side of it. And I was just like, well, what's her connection to this? And I did some digging around, and they're big fans of Bob Ross. And they initially wanted to explore this as a biopic But when they started looking into, you know, his background and stuff like that, they were really finding sparse details. So the biopic kind of got thrown out and then they decided to go the documentary route. But in a recent interview, they said that, you know, part of their love of Bob Ross comes from how, you know, he's part of like the lexicon. He's part of the pop culture I don't know, zeitgeist, I suppose. Uh, They have a toaster. His mother, uh, Ben Falcone's mother, had given them a toaster, and it burns Bob Ross's image into the toast. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, they said that they're such fans. So I thought that was really funny um, and sort of an interesting hook that they tried to do this as a biopic, but because of the level of privacy that he retained that it was hard for them to get people to open up and then that was also part of the problem is that then when people started saying I love Bob dearly you know he we we painted for years we were in business for years and then they're like will you you know come and talk to us and they were like no <laughs> So that's where the direction sort of went, that it was just all of a sudden, not so clear cut. And there was starting to, they were starting to smell a rat really. And they wanted to, to explore that. So that's when they, they brought in the production team that had worked on Lorena and that's how this sort of came about. So I was, uh, I was pretty shocked to learn what I learned in this documentary about it. So uh, same Z's, same Z's. So, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, so we're not going to do spoilers, but, you know, this really does center around the larger bubble of Bob Ross. So it talks about like, basically I thought it was like it was like the intro to him, the rise of his fame, the, the height of his fame and then like his decline and then the shady business dealings.
3: Yeah, I feel like when it came on, it really goes into his history, right? We talk about Bob and, you know, him being in the service and living in Alaska and wanting to paint. And I honestly, like you, like I said, I didn't really watch Bob Ross growing up. Um, You know, I was born in 82, and then he got on TV in 83, I believe. So watching the documentary, I fell in love with him. Like, I was like, oh, you know... I love the fro. I love that he has a perm. This is amazing. <laughs> Uh, And it just really makes you love him and you, you know, see him come up, like you said, and learn about like his, his network and how he became who he was. And then, like you said, it goes into the the tea (laughs) because I was like, get to the tea already. I want to (laughs) know.
0: But I think that they were teasing the tea like the Mm -hmm. whole time. I mean, like three minutes into it, his son is like, you know, I've been wanting to get this off my chest for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm going to be hard to get people to be interviewed. I'm like okay, you, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Exactly. <laughs> this is really his son's story, I felt. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Like, this is like, is, his son is portraying his father and then ultimately where his son ends up after his death. Yeah, I definitely agree.
2: Yeah, I think his son, well, yeah, basically his son is the whole crux of the of the of the documentary. Right. Without him, there wouldn't be one.
0: And then we also get some other players in there, right? So we get Bob's longtime friend, Dana Jester. We get uh, somebody that he painted alongside, John Tham. And then we, we, we keep hearing about these Kowalski people, right? Like these business partners. So I was really intrigued by how this all came about, right? So this lady, Annette, was grieving her son, which I can't even, you know, fathom. And then she comes across Bob Ross... We also are introduced
3: to William Alexander, who I, you know, did not know who he was because remember, Bob was interested in William Alexander because he was on TV painting. Right. So he, you know, he became a fan of him. He sought him out and then William took him under his wing and was doing, you know, the tour circuit painting classes and what have you. So we kind of learned how he became who he was and got on the scene and that's how Amit, yeah, he taught him the technique. Him. Yeah, the technique exactly. Painting in thirty minutes, right? Like who does
0: that? <laughs> who does right.
3: that? Yeah, you know, the what
2: the wet on wet technique.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised by that because I never heard of William Alexander Bill Alexander before. And like I said, I got watched Bob Ross from like the mid eighties, so it's really interesting how. Bob really kind of took this methodology and was able to turn it and spin it and and mold it into his his empire. And we'll get into some of the details in the spoiler half of this.
1: And we also got to meet um, the Jenkins, Gary and Catherine Jenkins, and that was a fun addition. They were a good time.
0: It was interesting to see some of the contemporaries of Bob Ross because, again, like, he was the, the known name, the known face. So, I mean, like, I watch PBS because usually, you know, when Bob Ross was on, usually afterwards, that would when they would slide in maybe the Jenkins or one of these other hobby painters. But I don't remember them at all, which is sad because it seems like they have a very interesting technique and they have a very similar kind of personality. It seems like although Bob seemed a bit more um what was the the Jenkins guy? Gary, right? Yeah, Gary Jenkins. Gary had a bit of a personality on him. He was a bit of a fireball, I thought. <laughs> I loved him.
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. Like Team Team Jenkins. But they said they got on the scene the the scene the exact same time that Bob did in eighty three. They painted flowers and Bob painted scenery. And so they seem like they were like a a good group of friends. Bob's like, hey, if you want to paint flowers, learn from the Jenkins. Right. So it was maybe like podcasts, right? Like, hey, if you want to love it or leave it, go to Pod Clubhouse. If you want fraud, go to Book of Lies. You (laughs) know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So like the things that you're doing don't necessarily overlap, but you can definitely be a pal and refer somebody over, like if this is not your cup of tea, so to speak. You Correct. could say, like, hey, I," but I know somebody who does what you like. So I liked that they had that camaraderie and that, you know, the the joking around that they had that they would walk around trade shows wanting to see who could get recognized. I thought that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of dancing around, I felt, around these people, the Kowalskis. Like, there was... They were introduced. Um, It was sad how sort of Annette found Bob that she needed an outlet after her son died. and, And she took a painting to dull the pain or at least to bring herself out of it. But they saw an opportunity in him. And that's where they really ran with this. They don't seem to be painted in the best light possible. Is that is
3: that a fair assessment? That's a fair assessment. She was inspired by Bob. She took the class and she's like, whatever it is that you've got there, boo-boo, I want to go ahead and bottle that up and sell it. You know, that's pretty much what she said because, you know, they have clips of them of them speaking so bob wanted to paint and he was happy to do his you know happy little trees and they were like we see business in this we see a business opportunity and they took it and ran with it
0: definitely overall like how did the documentary kind of play out for you did did it flow well did it answer questions did it answer the questions it brought up what do you think Inez? we haven't heard from you in a while
1: Oh, man, I feel like I might have an unpopular opinion about it. And it might just be completely my bias because I am a big Bob Ross fan. Um, I felt like from like a whole delivery standpoint, uh, it kind of felt a little stale to me. I appreciated the information and the education that I received from it. And I think that that is really important, but I don't know. I had trouble kind of like staying completely engaged. And I think it had a lot to do with that. It was just always this very like low tone, slow pace. And maybe because I was watching it like, at night time but it was I just kind of kept pausing to like kind of see where I was because I feel like I wasn't following within like a plot story I was just kind of being given information but um, I am very curious it sounds like you all had a different experience with this so I am very interested to hear how it went for you but please don't let my commentary jade that.
3: <laughs> how dare you Inez how dare
2: you
1: I know um, <laughs> I'm gonna I watched it at night as well
3: and I, I think it was a slow burn. It was a lot of information. It was a lot of Bob's backstory. There was a lot of implication as to there was some shade that was going to be told. And honestly, I kept watching because I wanted to know the secrets. So it was slow. I would say it was a lot of information. I felt like there were some things that were left unanswered for me personally. But I enjoyed it because um, I'm into that kind of stuff, you know, but I felt that I did have some questions that were left unanswered.
1: I feel like it's important to also prepare viewers who haven't watched it for that, like be ready for maybe something that's toned is kind of like at this pace because the information I thought is important and um, and is good information. But so maybe if people just like know ahead of time that it's not going to be like at the edge of your seat, kind of like thriller or kind of expectation. <laughs>
0: I definitely was very wary going into this documentary because Bob Ross is beloved in my household. Like I just told you, when my TV starts up, it defaults to the joy of painting. So I hear that little tingy, midi like theme song several times a week in my house. So I was reluctant to watch this documentary because I didn't want to find out something that was going to ruin him for me. So I was already, I was already like on eggshells sitting down to watch this. I watched it at night as well. And I, I don't know like what it is. And as you touched upon some of it, that it it had this kind of sleepy vibe to it. I mean, Bob Ross is a, I, I used the word balmy before. Like he's a very calm. He's a very soothing individual. Like there's nothing about like, I can't imagine this man in the military for 12 years. I cannot with the intensity, with the level of anger that usually comes in, to, in maintaining that level of discipline amongst the ranks. I, I just can't imagine it. But I was afraid that this documentary was going to destroy some of my love of Bob Ross. But I was also like watching this documentary, and I was just like, at points, it was, it was confusing to me, especially the part that the T at the end with after Bob's demise, and, and sort of all the, the dealings with the the Kowalskis and BRI, the Bob Ross Incorporated company. And so it felt a little disjointed. Like the first half I'd say was done well, but it was, it was very monotone. It was very, so in talking with Steve, like the son, he had very much the same intonation as his dad. So we weren't getting a lot of modulation. I'm going to say in, in the tone of voice. So when we cut to video clips of Bob talking about his painting and and, you know talking to his audience and then we would cut to steve and he had the same kind of tone and inflection he's very calm whereas the four of us we're very animated we're you know we're talking over each other you know we're, we're, we're boisterous where that i didn't really get that level of
2: drive from the documentary brandy what was your thoughts I agreed with what Inez said. I like it didn't hold my interest. Like I watched it because I had to, (laughs) but I was just like, uh, you know, I really wanted to know more about these Kowalskis. I feel like they they didn't get them on the show so you know we couldn't really and they really didn't talk about them much except to say that you know they what they did what they did and i was just like i want to know more about like how this even happened and that's what was missing i wanted to know how they managed to finagle themselves into their position that the position that they're in right now and how they got away with it and what i didn't get that
0: all right. We've been dancing around this enough. I think we're going to give our assessment and we're going to do Love It or Leave It and then we're going to go... To, we're going to talk about the tea. How's that sound?
3: Yay.
0: All right. Before we get to the tea, let me ask you a question. Who does this documentary appeal to? Who do you think is going to enjoy watching something like this? I think it's probably it's Bob Ross
2: fans. <laughs> yeah. You
3: think well, so? It's kind of scary for you guys. Like you said, you didn't want it to put, put Bob Ross in a bad a light. So I think it's a little scary but people like me who are into the drama i i I was for it i'm okay with it but i think bob ross fans are
2: afraid (laughs) well i like because i feel like you know once you watch it like you pay start paying attention to it because i mean there's nothing negative said about bob ross in in it so you know it's not it's not something that bob ross fans would be you know upset about i mean other than the fact that he after he passed got pretty much screwed over or his son did
0: yeah i'll agree with that i i think it's like this would appeal to bob ross fans who can take the leap of faith that they're not out to tarnish him they're not out to destroy him so i feel like it needs to come with like a disclaimer maybe we are the disclaimer like bob ross (laughs) hang on the the title bob ross happy accidents betrayal and greed they don't destroy him we promise (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes that was absolutely like what made me also hesitate was because like i'm like no like i already know about like his like military history and like who he was before then and like the transition you know i've seen a lot of i'm a big fan of like watching a lot of the historical context around um around him because he does mean a lot to me and like my household like my sister um who is my co-host on our stop by and ask me anything she's autistic and she's she's grew up like really infatuated with Bob Ross and she watched him every single day when she was four years old was just like watching him all the time and when I visited her in Ohio recently she would set up little painting stations with her daughter like she has canvases and paint and she would put Bob Ross projecting on the wall and she had like the little Bob Ross action figure with this little mini canvas and my niece (laughs) is just watching you know she's three and she's just watching and listening to Bob Ross and has like her whole like vibe right so I I was like really scared because the title was not did not clarify so yes like this is a disclaimer Bob's legacy is, is secure everybody <laughs> we're good um, still as but wonderful that was, yeah. as we
0: believe him to be <laughs> yes
1: yeah, so like as far as like um, whose target audience is honestly um, you know he touched I know that they, they to talk about his, his core audience in the moment was like these um, women who are at home but I do enjoy seeing that he is like a pop icon in modern society you know you just see him paired all the time with like everything wholesome with like you know mr rogers and and bob like it's just like these wholesome people and he's one of those and i think that that's like you know anybody who's just kind of like plugged into like pop culture i think he's in
0: You know, and it's really funny that you said that about Mr. Rogers, because in my notes, you know, I had put down that he's like got a Mr. Rogers quality about him. He's universally appealing to so many. And you can't really put your finger on what exactly it is about him because there's a lot to it. There's several factors that go into it that, you know, have this enduring appeal. And yeah, so I I agree. I think like Bob Ross fans would would enjoy this. I think anybody who likes a story about, I mean, you got to kind of preface this by saying it, but like likes a story about learning the historical context of like a fraudulent case. Like ever since Bernie Madoff came on the scene, I'm always very interested in how people get swindled. Mm-hmm. even if it's $10 or if it's $25 million. I'm very interested in that as well. So I feel like the, the the people in the true crime world would also have an interest in this because of just the mysteriousness behind it and, and how the Kowalskis were able to get away with so much. So let's give a quick, like, do we love this or leave it? And because we want to give the viewers, you know, a sense of like where we're at with this. And then we're going to go into the spoiler part where we can really dive into it. And then we'll tell you at the end what we still think about it. All right, so Sunny, why don't you kick us off first? What's your reaction to this? Is love it or leave it for you?
3: I'm going to say love it if you want to know the truth and you want to know about some wrongdoing that you could potentially make right. So I'm going to say love it. Watch it. It's important.
1: Okay. Inez. Yeah, I'm going to echo that. I'm going to, it's hard to say love it because I feel like there's a lot of opportunity missed in here, but I think that the content is enough for me to say I love it because it is important education uh, and will definitely drive decision-making on on our buddy, Bob.
0: How about you, Brandy?
1: Again, I can't really
2: say love it, but more like like it. Um, <laughs> I feel That's like, yes. like, yeah there there was so much missed opportunity, and I just I I wanted more, like I wanted more of you know more information as far as these people, but if they could do like a follow up, that would be wonderful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll just say like it. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I'm going to say this is a like it to love it for me. And, the you know, I usually get shot at for saying like it, but um, I like it because, (laughs) well, because the storytelling, right? So we talked about how it was kind of sleepy. It wasn't really like a hard-hitting documentary in terms of like the production value. Like it could have been... I don't want to say flashier because I don't know if that would have like meshed with the content, but the storytelling that there could have been more to it. I love it for the sense that it's about somebody who is so beloved that is somebody who is off-camera as what you see on camera. And I appreciated that they were bringing somebody like Bob Ross to light because he does live in the shadows. He's he's very much an out-there kind of pop culture figure, but we really didn't know that much about him. So I love it for the sense of that, but the the like-it is really on sort of the documentary structure for me. Fair enough? Fair enough. Yeah. All right, finally, we can like... Whew. Take a sigh of relief. Okay, so now we're going to go into the spoiler heavy. We're going to talk about the tea. We're going to talk about the betrayal and greed part about this documentary. We're going to talk about how this played out and, you know, kind of what we were talking about. Like, you know, what we wanted to know, what what some of the pieces of the story that were missing. In terms of the Kowalskis... Sunny and Brandy, you both mentioned how you you wanted to know more about them. So, can you elaborate? Maybe I'll start with Sunny because you're just at the top of my list here. Um <laughs> What were some of the shadiness that you were seeing with the Kowalskis that maybe didn't get answered for you?
3: Okay, so they t- they allude to them recording phone calls, right? Oh, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, he was in the CIA, and he recorded all the phone calls, and, you know, they taught this to Bob. I wanted to hear some phone calls. I wanted to hear what was going on on these conversations. I would have liked to have seen the contract and the deal that was signed between Bob and the Kowalskis. I want to see like these, these court proceedings. I want to know like why they're suing people. Everyone's so afraid of them. Why? Like who, who else have they sued? There's just a a lot of stuff they say about them and things that they've done that they don't really follow up. It's just, oh, by the way, this, but give me more of this. What What is this, this that you're talking about? Give
1: me more. Right. I totally agree with that. You know, they kept like emphasizing like that everybody was so afraid because of being of the suing culture behind, um, the Kowalski's, but we weren't given any information beyond that. So it's just like, it almost felt like just talking about like that they're sue, sue happy was more like a dramatic effect because if you're not going to give me any substance to go along with those statements, like at mm-hmm. that point, like, It could be you trying to disguise that there's like you just couldn't get information so we're just going to slap a band-aid and say it's because they didn't want to get sued like give me information to believe you um, and believe like why this is the route we're going because I I agree like that's kind of the vibe that I got from it too it was just it lacked and had a great opportunity there because I was hooked but then I was disappointed yeah like three
0: (laughs) minutes in his son is saying that you're not going to get a lot of people to talk about it so so Brandy let me ask you this what would have helped the story, if Inez and, and Sonny are saying that the diving into the Kowalskis and giving us some more on them would have helped, what do you think that the director, that the production team could have brought in that would have rounded out the Kowalskis a little bit more for you?
2: I... okay... <sighs> Uh, legal documents are public record, so they could have literally found court cases where the Kowalskis sued or the Bob Ross Company sued other people. You know, at least show us the documentation that says, hey, yeah, they sued these people, they sued this person, they sued this person. And then all of the documentation, like... The agreement between Bob and the Kowalskis, I wanted to know what their background was. Why were they so qualified to bring Bob Ross to start this Bob Ross company? Because he is his own name. And so they managed to finagle his name out of his brother and... I just wanted to know, like, how were they able to do these things? Do we know if, if his brother is even alive anymore? Like, I wanted to know more information. I wanted to see people that they mentioned and that we we didn't get to hear from.
0: You know, it was very interesting what you just said about his brother, because that's the part of the documentary that I was just like, uh, sort of towards the end, that I got really confused It was in the last half hour when they brought up the fact that there was this trust agreement document and that because Steve was young, Bob Ross had put his half brother, Jimmy Cox, as like the the trustee majority. Right. He had 51 percent of the Uh the trust that was meant to manage the Bob Ross estate following his passing. And turns out that Jimmy Cox, the half brother, turned around and gave his half, his 51 percent controlling interest to the Kowalskis. That was glossed over yes. so fast mm-hmm. yes. that I was just like, wait a second. So when I went back and watched it a second time, I dragged my husband to see. It. He goes, I don't want to watch it. For the same reason that we talked about earlier, he goes, I don't want them to destroy Bob Ross in my eyes. I said, no, 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 it's really, it's fine. He goes, you watch it? I said, yeah. He's like, okay, good. I'll watch it. But I had to sit <laughs> and watch. And I told him, I said, pay attention. I said, because this goes off the rails real fast in terms of how they tell the story. So that to me was very confusing. It was the last 30 minutes or so. But Brandy, what you said, too, is like if the Kowalskis were sue happy and legal documents, I mean, my dad is in a lawsuit right now, and I was able to look up so much about his case because I was just like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. because I just Googled his name and the, the name of the lawsuit. If they had married up in a list of the names of the people that they had wanted to talk to with the list of the people that the Kowalski had sued, I think I would have been satisfied with that as sort of a cross-reference, like all these 12 people. You know, because they said we interv- we tried to interview more than a dozen people for this, and-, and they told us no because they were fearing legal retaliation. So give me some proof. Right. You know, because then it feels... I'm being very cynical, but it feels very sensational to me that if you're just saying people don't want to come on, thank you. Yes, see the receipts. I need to see the evidence. And you know, I'm not technically like a skeptical person when it comes to this, but the documentary needed some substance. You know, after the first watch, after the watch, and you're sitting there, you're digesting it. You know, you think about it. Like it needed something to kind of bolster the claims. I mean, not to say that these Kowalski people are so nice or anything like that. They're not. But I feel like having the receipts like you know here are the people that we wanted to talk to and here are the list the the same list of the people that you know they've been involved with lawsuits or people that have been pushed out of the bob ross inc group
3: so to kind of get me on the side of team bob and team jenkins when katherine jenkins was telling her story how annette copied her her books, her flower books and dominated the market for the the paint brushes and you know what they were doing and how they pushed them out. I was like, oh hell no. No they didn't. And then like looking at the books and the pictures and how it was pretty much copied and the, the Jenkins were there first and they're doing everything that they're doing in the name of Bob Ross. I thought that was pretty shady. So that was a part that I was like, okay, these people are here to talk about it. I like these goofy Jenkins. They're cool. But then to find out what, you know, Annette was doing to keep her foot in the game when, you know, Bob was on his way out, you know, so to speak, I thought that was kind of shady. So I was like, okay, so this is valid. We're talking to these people. They're telling us what's happening. I'm looking at this book. I'm seeing that book. Everything looks to be pretty much verbatim copyright infringement or, you know, what whatever it's called, um, when you copy somebody.
0: Like plagiarism? Um, yeah,
3: that's the yeah. word. That's
0: the word. But I, even down to like the picture, right? She sat in this wicker chair and that sat in this wicker chair. It's just this crazy scenario with these people.
2: It was certainly yeah. so yeah. a flex. You know yeah. 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 There's one way to get around a copyright lawsuit with when it comes to books and things like that. With cookbooks, for example Because you're giving instructions and because it's a recipe and recipes, you know, anybody can make a recipe. It's hard. It's harder to, um, to, To, like, like, prove prove that somebody... Right. But, I mean, they are copyrighted, so... she of course you know probably changed A few words but yeah most of it was verbatim And I was like you know that's really really Hard and it would probably be hard especially Because they probably had big lawyers You know in their pockets it probably would have been Harder for the, the Jenkins to To prove but
1: Yeah like that was Just some shady shit right you know And they also yeah it, it was absolutely But it was like it, it sound you know They basically were just working within the Rules of capitalism like this is capitalism And and I now like I'm sympathizing with the Jenkins in this story, but they didn't give me any information about what went down in the legal fight. Like, what did the Jenkins do? Why did they not fight for their contracts? Like, what are the laws and rules and and culture that prevented them from being able to counter the Kowalskis when they were discovering this stuff happening? They just basically in the documentary just stated these are the things that they did and went through. But then that was it. And so I'm like, like, I'm outraged by the Jenkins yeah, here, they but like, they you don't, you...
0: there was no, yeah, it's just like, it story, just happened right? and we're
1: upset. Yeah, there yeah. was no resolution for mm-hmm, the Jenkins. Right. Like, we
0: didn't learn anything. Yeah, about... we didn't find out if they, yeah, like what, what came of that copyright infringement or that plagiarism. Um, And it's just like the whole nonsense with the the brushes. Like the Jenkins had these badger hair brushes. Badger hair
3: brushes. And then,
0: you know, oops, they're endangered. And but only. Are they really
3: endangered or was that a lie? Or was that just something? No, that that was a lie.
0: That was a lie because minutes later, the Weber company, the same company that was producing the Jenkins badger hair brushes. The Kowalskis turned around and had Annette had her own Bob Ross line of brushes with the same Mm -hmm. hair. And then that's when the Jenkins yeah. started getting dropped in the stations. And that's almost the last we heard of the Jenkins in this documentary. Yeah. So there was a lot right. left unresolved with, like, how that came about.
2: Oh, He said that that was the, the, the worst thing that ever happened to them was getting involved with Weber, which I was like, wow, like, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. But, like, yeah, we didn't hear, like, what happened. They didn't try to fight for their contract. They didn't try to. Go somewhere else to, you know, manufacture brushes. I just, I was just like, what? Yes, okay. Like, so, like, even they if pushed they said, you out. right. Even if they said, like, we were just outmoneyed,
0: then that would have been a resolution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They outlawed us, you know, the American way. Right. <laughs> but I wanted right. to go back in time with you guys now. So, in the documentary, when we we're talking about the rise of Bob Ross, did anybody else catch the fact that the Rosses and the Kowalskis moved in together? Oh yes,
1: hunty. What I thought they were hell?
0: swinging. Yeah. What the hell? What the hell?
3: Well, you heard yeah, what? Um, it was weird. What Gary said? He was like, back in the day, everybody was sleeping with each other. I know you didn't say <laughs> anything about that, but he was like, back in the day, everybody was is sleeping like, with move
0: everybody. Move
1: on. Move on. <laughs> She's like, shut yeah, up. Well, I was like, okay, see. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I but I really appreciated it though. I really appreciated that he you could edit this out though. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. that we were all doing it. And uh, yeah. and I appreciated that, like that little bit of like authenticity, like they're trying to tone control. Right. So they were like constantly just like we're outraged and we're behind Bob Ross is Bob Ross's back. We're the we're the people, the pitchforks against the Kowalski's in this documentary is kind of like how I felt like how I was supposed to, like what my role was supposed to be at the end here. And uh, just like seeing that little like moment of like their genuine like look into what was happening in that time and space. Like that was I thought. A really great piece that they kept in <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, because it, she did not want him to talk she was like flapping him like just stop 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 because i'm like oh you rocker, know you were swinging in there too girl <laughs> so
0: this is the part of the documentary that i was getting the most i guess concerned about the legacy of of the tarnishing potentially of bob ross's name so it came out he most likely had an affair with Annette, which is blech, but whatever. <laughs> First of all, sh- not not to throw shade or not to be ageist or anything like that, but she was about in her mid to late 40s, I'd say, when she met him. She looked like an old, old woman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know this is not like PC to say. but like, How
3: dare you, Sheila? You're so ageist. I feel like so- they all looked old.
0: They, yep. well, I, okay, so like Bob Ross died at fifty two, right? And I'm about ten years removed from what he looks like, like, from where he was when he died, right? So, which is terrible to think that anybody in that of that age group could die. But I don't see myself as looking like that at fifty two, like I, like that old. You know, that the there was a certain look back in the late seventies, early eighties that you know, I guess is just we don't ascribe to this now. Like, if I didn't dye my hair, I would look like Annette Kowalski, maybe getting close. <laughs> I, I just didn't. Back
3: the- in the day, people didn't age very well.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, you're one hundred
3: percent right. Like I loved like white, beautiful hair. Like when I I used to work up in San Francisco, and my CEO was thirty five, and he had white hair, and I was like, that is so hot. Like I'm into it. Like young face, white hair. It's, it's legit. But Annette was old, and yeah. Bob had an affair with her. And I think like they mentioned in the documentary, Bob was a ladies man. He was like super flirtatious, flirtatious, excuse me. And the ladies were into it and Bob was into it. And that was something they, you know, also revealed that he was, you know, a ladies man. And apparently Annette was like, hey, Bob, what's
0: up? I feel like he could have done so much better. That's just me. (laughs) He was trying to secure the bag. Come on. (laughs) Come on. So, okay. So this is what we started talking about in the first half. And I wanted to stop myself here because, so he gets this mentorship, right? He hooks up with this Bill Alexander guy who comes across as very gruff on camera. And Bob sort of had this way about him that he was already a very calm individual, but like his son, Steve had to ask the question, like, you know, why do you do this? And so he comes out that he's trying to cultivate this personality. Did this answer work for you that he was aware that his audience was female and he was trying to play to that demographic how about you Inez? what'd you think
1: yeah i mean i think it makes sense at the end of the day like you have to you know to to be successful you have to appeal to your audience and I think that part of like his personality was that he just wanted to be living in peace as it is anyway. And then just learning on how adapting to his environment of how to create that nurturing that keeps people feeling safe. You know, like 30 minutes of painting when it's like a new kind of thing and you're doing it live. Like that's kind of like a high stress kind of experience, Um, especially when you got the original person that's like very stern. So being very contrast to that and building like what his brand is like what his image is going to be, it makes sense that he's going to find a way to stand out. He had this amazing perm. I love the expression that he had with his hair. Then the, yeah, his, his voice was just very nurturing and it's going to keep people feeling safe and calm as they're trying to work through these little 30 minute windows of doing this, especially if they're going to be teaching people too. And, uh, you know, I, I work in the learning industry, so I can appreciate the environment that he was being intentional about creating and so I didn't have a a problem with it I liked learning that it was specifically about like this subtle flirting with the women like through the cameras right when he's like you know just like gently caress this here and just like brush your strokes like this and like make love to it a little bit and and I was (laughs) like oh my god I am about this like I need to watch this thing like all of these things again (laughs) because I remember just feeling really like calm and because I watched these as a child so I didn't have that context I just knew like this is very relaxing to me and it was very fun to watch but it probably makes me want to go back and try because I do love his voice it's just so calming it's easily
3: recognizable like you recognize Bob Ross's voice anywhere you hear it it's like hey that's Bob Ross
0: definitely yeah that's his brand I love it yeah I'm about it so that was a very interesting take, Inez, that you had because like his voice and then Sonny, you echoing that too. Like that's where this kind of like gelled in my mind that his voice really became his brand. Like the hair is one part of it, but like Sonny, you said like he's instantly recognizable by that. So the fact that he was conscious of that, I think is really a sign of the change in the industry as well, because like this was the 80s. This was a time where, you know, media was getting bigger, not where it is now, but he was smart about cultivating a brand and he was conscious of making himself different than the people who came before him. So I think that's a very interesting point. Sonny and Brandy, I wanted to talk to you about this guy that we met right after we learned about Bob's death in the documentary. This guy, his name is Bert. He lives in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who the Kowalskis approached to like bring Bob Ross to Europe. Right. And he witnessed in a warehouse somebody signing Bob Ross's name to paintings after he died. What are we to make of this?
3: It's called fuckery. <laughs> it's,
2: yeah, I, I, um, I was like, you know, what? I'm glad. I'm glad he was like, what the hell? This is bullshit. Because, yeah, it is. And you're representing something as being one thing when it isn't. And it's not cool.
3: And then, so, you know, they're like, hey, you know, introduce Bob Ross to the UK or, you know, to Germany or whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. So, like, he's behind the brand and he's like, okay, great. You know, I'm going to get you on these stations. I'm going to, you know, get you... Uh, you're going to sell these products here, there, or other. But then when he goes into a warehouse or whatever, and he sees people signing Bob Ross's name, he's like, what the hell? Like, he was probably like, hey, I've been had because Bob Ross has passed on, and now there's people signing his name. Like, there's something wrong here. So I appreciated that they got him to speak to that, that he saw fraud happening, that forgeries were happening, because the pieces of art that bob created you can't create anymore but bob taught his technique to so many people you know i guess it could be easily reproduced and someone slap bob's name on it and try and sell it as an original so now we've got art fraud going on
2: great well how about the fact that annette is the only person who can authenticate a bob ross painting which is horse shit uh, oh yeah i can recognize a bob ross painting sure you can but guess what? If Joe Blow took the Bob Ross class and he's doing the same t- types of paintings, are you really, is that your eye that great that you can recognize the fact that if this isn't made by Bob, but Bob taught this guy how to paint.
0: Yeah. The fact that she's the only one who could authenticate it is just bullshit. Sorry. It's absurd.
3: It's absurd. No, it's, it's absolutely absurd because what is she, I don't know what her title is in the Bob Ross Incorporated, Brie, um, B-R-I or whatever you want to call that. <laughs> But it's very shady, and, you know, people may have spent, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. I don't know how much a Bob Ross sells for, but she's producing Apparently, I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you, but apparently you can't buy a Bob Ross painting now. You can or you cannot? Cannot. Okay. That they're not available for sale. Except on private collections, right?
3: Oh, I, I I have a Bob Ross on my wall. But
0: then how do you know that it's actually a Bob Ross? So what happens when this Annette Kowalski lady dies? If she's the only authenticator of Bob Ross paintings in the world, what happens? You know, when she's no longer they need with to us?
3: talk to Steve. They need to talk to Steve.
0: So let me come back to Steve a second because Steve said that Bob kept tapes. Like get the sort of towards the end in this very confusing last half hour of this documentary, he said that Bob kept tapes. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have heard those. I forgot exactly. about that when we were yes. talking about it before.
2: No, for
3: sure. That's yeah, what they said saying. that
2: um, the Kowalskis had them. Had um, after they after they had uh, what's his name. Uh, Jimmy, his brother, mm-hmm. after he signed over his, you know, his portion of the company, they demanded the tapes. He said they went in the house and they they basically took everything, including the tapes. And the paintings on the walls and all the stuff. Right. Why would
3: they? But I'm just like, hey, man, why would you allow this to happen? So I want to know what kind of pressure they were putting on Jimmy. You know, why would he just sell this over? Why would he give up his brother's legacy, his nephew's legacy, and just sign it over to these folks? Like, why would you do that?
0: Yeah. Like, what did he get out of it? Did
3: he get a check? Like, what happened? These are the questions that were left unanswered.
0: I'm just looking him up right now. Jimmy Cox. Let's see. Uh, He's still alive. Shade, maybe he's part of the the whole situation with uh, not wanting to uh, be sued. I suppose because well, he's maybe. part of, he's part of the Bri fold, right? He's part of the family. I don't know. It's it's weird. I I would have liked to
3: hear the tapes as well. Um, you know, whatever they were talking about on the phone, how they were like calling all the time, wanting Bob to sign over his name. So we didn't talk about it, but you know, Bob died of non Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? Right. And as he's dying, these people are like, hey, man, uh, can I sign this, please? Uh, It's for your memorial. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile. Yeah. And I speculate from what I watched is Bob was like, hey, I'm having fun doing this art. You know, I'm getting checks here and there. I get to meet people. And then for, you know, BRI to become the mega giant that it was. I don't think Bob really cared about that. He was just like, that's not what I'm in it for. I think that's why he, you know, kept bringing his son onto the programming. So people would, you know, see Steve and, you know, follow Steve. But then Steve was like, I don't want to paint dad. Wait, I do want to paint dad. Uh." There was a lot of back and forth going on. I I would have liked to hear the phone calls. I would have liked to hear the conversations.
0: Yeah, I agree. So was there anything else as far as like the shade, the tea that you guys wanted to talk about? Or
3: I thought it was weird that BRI, they had certified instructors to teach Bob's technique and then they had the comment box or whatever. Okay. And then, you know, people were snitching on each other and people are just like, Hey, get the hell out of here. How dare you talk about Jenkins in here? Like, well, it's so weird. So weird.
0: So, you know, there was a moment where, like, somebody was typing an email, like, circa, like, Windows 95 on the screen, <laughs> and they were talking, they were likening the Kowalskis to, like, a communist state. Mm-hmm. So that was a very interesting yes. point as well, I thought. In communist Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. Very specific. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a part that I wanted to kind of maybe wind this down a little bit. I loved hearing from the director who worked with him on all of the shows. Oh, yeah. Sally Schnick. Yes. Oh, thank you. I could not remember her name at all. I loved hearing from her and hearing like what he was like. So like how authentic he was on camera, you know, portraying that in his real life as well, that it wasn't a persona. It was it was just him just augmented. Right. There was also a scene where like they went to Central Park and he was doing like this painting demonstration. And, you know, one of the kids whose painting he signed, they they found him and just talking about everything you expected him to be he was so i think that that's ultimately like what this documentary was trying to like bring home is that he is an authentic person we're not trying to smear him but they're trying to bring out the fact that his son suffered as a result of these kowalski's um dealings and whatnot
3: well i think okay bob ross is my father (laughs) OK, um, he left me 49% of his estate. My uncle sold it or signed over his rights to set estate. So I should still have that 49%, right? But at the end of the documentary, they say Steve gets nothing. He yeah. gets absolutely nothing. So what the hell? What's that about?
2: They should be, like, yeah, giving him money. Again, right? something that we should hear about.
0: And the, just the fact that they should, they just ran out of money. It's just... I don't know. It, it, it there there's there a lot of places that this could have gone to like fill in those questions because I think that we're still we're still grappling with the fact that we didn't get a lot of answers. They they dug up more than they resolved. Is that a fair right. statement?
3: Yeah, definitely. All the skeletons are out and they only put one back and there's like 37 out
0: right and yeah now like all the demons saying we we gotta stage <laughs> the house right now, you know because now they've unco- they've unearthed all of this and they didn't give a lot of context, a lot of substance to it. And like I said, like the last 30 minutes, I was just like really confused as to how they there's a lot of jumping around. From Steve's lawsuit and the, the the uncle, the getting, you know, giving away his controlling share, it was so quick and it was so fast. I was just like, I, I'm very confused. I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. Okay, good. I I just feel like felt like I was like, am I the only one? Because even my husband was just like, I don't know what just happened here.
2: <laughs> it was weird. It was really weird especially because i was like okay so are they just like incommunicado how could how could your uncle give away his shares and not say anything to you about it that was weird they just sprung that question on him and he's like absolutely not and i'm like how the hell does that even happen like legally you have to right because he didn't know right isn't there like some sort of legal thing that has to happen in order for that to occur like i just feel like right i felt like he should have had to sign something too or maybe you know at least been brought to you know the table about right? it yeah like, i agree just, it was weird yeah it's just like
3: oh oh you had 40 you had 49 percent. now you have nothing bye son what but
0: that's not how it works like he still has 49 percent. they're just not honoring the deal the deal but the thing
3: is his name is robert steve ross he yeah. can't even
0: use his name he's got to use rsr <laughs> what is that
3: who's
2: right.
0: that? You know, that doesn't make any sense.
2: No. I saw a Bob Ross magazine in um, the store yesterday, and it was seventeen ninety nine. and <gasps> apparently you can subscribe to this. It's an annual magazine. I saw it as well in CVS. I saw one in CVS not long ago. Yes, I saw it in Rite Aid. <laughs> and it was like, I saw it in Rite Aid yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was like 16 months. Oh, hell months. no. Yeah. Oh,
2: hell no. Oh, it's an
0: annual publication? I don't even know if I would do that for annual. What? It's, wait, 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 wait.
3: So you get one magazine a year, or you get 12? <laughs> I think
2: it's it's, no it's an annual publication oh. um it's an annual subscription and um it's like it says the the wisdom and the calming wisdom or something like that of bob ross and i was just like and, and you know of course i saw it after i watched the documentary and i was just like Ooh. <laughs> How oh, hell no. Yeah.
3: I went on, um, I was, you know, doing my Googling and I've came across like all of these tweets from people who watched the documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix and they are hot. They're just like, oh, H no, I'm pissed. La 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 la. I was just like, oh my gosh, this, th- this Twitter is killing me. Everybody mad about the Kowalskis, you know?
0: And we just didn't get enough on them to, like slake the thirst. Like we're still wondering about them and they just declined to be part of the the documentary. So like I feel like we're never gonna get like a good resolution. So I'm feeling like I have a bad taste in my mouth.
3: (laughs) They said it at the end of the documentary, but then I'm seeing you know news that they're like, um, you know, this is this is wrong. You know, there was never a (laughs) rift in our relationship. Everything's all good. Well fucking talk to Steve then. If everything's all good, let's let's talk to Steve. Let's talk to you guys. Let's get it on tape. So we can all know that The tea, Please.
0: Exactly.
2: I feel like if they were really pressed about their reputation, as far as the viewers, they would have come on to, you know, at least tell their side, but they didn't. So we get the side that we get, and that's your fault for declining to be on the freaking documentary.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Like you, you don't get to have a say if you don't participate. Exactly. All right. So we're going to go one more time around the horn and we're going to say if we love it or leave it. And we'll give you our final thoughts at the end. All right. We'll start with Brandy. Love it. Leave it. Like it. (laughs) Um,
2: It's a a firm like it. And again, there's just, you know, there's too many holes, too many plot holes, not enough deep dives into especially the Kowalskis. And like, you know, just show me something that tells me what exactly happened and why things played out the way they did.
1: How about you, Inez? Oh, man. I think it's important to watch. So I don't even know if I like it. (laughs) I just know that the information is good. And what I've learned from my lessons here, right, is like none of the Bob Ross paraphernalia that I buy for myself or my niece, my sisters, whatever. None of it goes to the family. So I will now respectfully like stop contributing, and that'll be my role in in this as accountability to um, Bob's legacy and out of respect for his his son. And uh, if there was a a public plan to redo this documentary the right way, I would say leave this and wait for that. Um, But because that other one is not on the horizon as of right now, I say I like the information enough to recommend it.
3: All right, Sunny. I love it because it has opened up the floodgates for the internet sleuths to come in and figure out, you know, what's going on with BRI And to, like you said, Inez, to not support BRI because the money does not go to the family or a portion of it, at least. Like, hey, we're business partners. Give me some. Give me a little bit. Give me a taste. They're not doing any of that. So I I think, again, it's important to watch this. There are some unanswered questions. So I do go ahead and vote for a part two where (laughs) we can get more, but I think it still preserves Bob Ross's legacy, but we learn more about the business and what's going on now. So yeah,
2: love it.
0: I'm going to say I love it as well because it did shine a light on somebody who is very popular in pop culture and we just really knew nothing about him other than some very basic life facts. Um, I love the fact that this opened up the floodgates as, as sunny as the, you use that word. I feel like the internet is going to come out and they're going to come out in support of Steve for what this documentary did, the questions that it raised. I feel like they're almost like there's going to be like a GoFundMe to get him the 90 grand to like fight the the Kowalskis to get his 49% controlling interest. And I'm hoping- There that's... is a
3: GoFundMe. I hate to cut you off, Seriously? but there is. Yes, yes there is.
0: Thank you. I, I See this, so things like that restore my faith in humanity when, <laughs> like when- People see a wrong and they're like, the only reason that he didn't get what he deserves is because he ran out of money. That's bullshit. Like, OK, if I can throw $10 his way, but, you know, $10 times 100 people, you start adding that up real quick. And there's enough people, I think, out there that love Bob Ross enough that they're going to look at this and be like, this should not stand. And to Inez's point about the Bob Ross legacy and making sure that, like, we don't support BRI because, like, I have bought those happy little mints. I did not know. I did like the ones that are shown. I did not know that that was not something that was, you know, going to his legacy. And I assumed very wrongly that like the legacy was his family. So I'm I'm going to say love it because it does unearth the questions. I do want a part two. I want the Kowalskis. I want I want to see the Kowalskis brought down. That's the part two that I need to see.
2: That was another thing I was going to say, like people, the people who watch this that actually bought Bob Ross products, they can stop buying Bob Ross products and instead giving the money to Steve.
1: (laughs) Right?
0: Yeah. To RSR. Right. So, all right. I want to thank the three of you for coming on today to Pod Clubhouse to talk about Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed, the new Netflix documentary that has been comfortably sitting in the top 10 since it was released last week. Sunny and Brandy, can you tell us where we can find
2: you? (laughs) okay well you can find us at book of lies pod on i don't even know our our socials isn't that sad book of lies um pod on twitter book of lies podcast i do believe on instagram and on facebook at book of
1: lies podcast
0: fantastic and inez where can we find your podcast
1: Oh, we are still working on uh, our content, but we're getting ready to release very soon. But we've created, we're um, we've got our accounts rolling on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, and TikTok. And so, um, you know, in our, in our podcast, my sister who's autistic and I'm neurotypical, we just kind of do, uh, casual conversations on specific topics, um, based off of the two different lenses, and then also, um, doing a lot of, uh media reviews similar to this with that perspective just because we always like butt heads all the time from our perspectives but it's like very interesting to hear um how she is so um that said uh we are i believe the twitter handle is stop by and Ask be anything so it's a-s-p-i-e aspie anything and so we're we've got that same handle can be found on tiktok instagram and youtube
0: Fantastic. And you can find Pod Clubhouse on all the social media platforms at Pod Clubhouse. And I can be found on Twitter, my Thank you so much for listening. This has been Love It or Leave It from Pod Clubhouse with Brandy and Sunny from Book of Lies and Inez from the Aspie Anything podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks for participating. Yay! Yay! Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening.